1: Welcome to the Crafting Character Podcast, Steve Carter here, and in association with my good friends at The Ascent Leader, who is looking to develop leaders through curated connection and conversation by coaching cohorts of like-minded pastors and partnering with top-level mentors, Uh, I love The Ascent Leader. You can follow them on Instagram, at The Ascent Leader. Also, Food for the Hungry, who's doing amazing, amazing work around the globe. CDF Capital and our good friends at Preaching Today, who want to help you be inspired, stay inspired, get encouraged, and deliver the best messages possible. Well, today, friends, I'm excited because for the past year, I've been able to get to know Pastor Daniel M. from Beulah Alliance Church in Edmonton, Canada. And he has just stepped in, taken the baton from an incredible pastor and has been preaching just some incredible messages. Um, But I will tell you that ever since he stepped in, there has been moments of pain. There have been some just... Um, unexpected losses. We get into that in this conversation today. You're going to learn that Daniel's very thoughtful, very wise, spirit-filled, and someone I just deeply, deeply respect. He was in a series in the book of Philippians and delivered a message that I think is one of the best messages I have heard all year. And like we do, we often take a snippet of a talk so you can get familiar with this preacher's sound. So with that listen to this.
0: Every single one of us has power and holds power. So Jesus here, I want you to hear me hear straight, that he, Jesus isn't advocating that we create a world where power doesn't exist. And that's not what I'm saying either. I'm not saying down with power. Right, I'm not I'm not trying to explain this utopia where everything is shared and there's no power and everyone is, that's, that's not what I'm talking about because the fact is Jesus is king. And if Jesus is king, that means we are his servants, that we are his subjects, that he is the master, he is the Lord and not us. He is king over me, over you, over our church, over our world. So what we're talking about today is not about trying to rid the world of power but how we live with power without being consumed with it. How we can live and steward the power that we have like Jesus did without being overpowered by it. You know one of the ways to do that? Is to take a look at the power that you have and to use it to empower others with that Here's the thing about empowering others. Even in the fact of empowering others, there's still an imbalance of power because you're, empow- you're the one giving the power to someone else. Right? There still is an imbalance. So how did Jesus do it? Well, in Philippians 2.7, we read that he emptied himself. He did this by taking on the form of a servant. In other words, the one with all power took the role of a slave. Jesus emptied himself.
1: Well thanks so much for tuning in to the Crafting Character podcast. If you at all need any help uh just getting plugged into a cohort, we would love for you to join us at the Ascent Leader. You can go to the ascentleader.org, learn Everything about our cohorts for those that are in transition, you've been handed the baton, or if you want to just get better at the craft of communication, please check that out. Sign up. I would love, love, love to help you get plugged in. Um, But then also, if you're kind of just going through a difficult season, always know you can reach out. My email is steve at Steve steveryancarter.com. Dot com. Well, thanks again for tuning in. I love what God is stirring in these conversations. I hope that you are encouraged and may you always let your character in Christ lead the way. Grace and peace. Well, Pastor Daniel M., thank you so much for joining us on the Crafting Character podcast. Uh, I love you. It's been such a, an absolute delight just over this past year getting to know you better. Um, you have quickly become one of my favorite communicators for, for a myriad of reasons, um, one being your thoughtfulness, mm. um, another being just your the ability at which you um, leave room for the Holy Spirit. And you just have this, this unique ability of spirit and truth. So I want to dive into that in a moment. But um, first off, let's let's maybe get a little backstory on this teach we just heard a little bit from um, just moments ago.
0: Yeah, dude, it's such an honor to, to be on the podcast with you. Longtime listener. Love it. Have shared tons with others and our teaching team, too. So it's an honor to be on with you. Well, a little bit of the backstory is uh, I came back to Canada uh, two years ago to do a senior pastor succession at the church, uh, became lead pastor in May of this past year, and essentially, I mean, I've come up after a beloved it's a hundred year old church, 30 year run. Keith Taylor has been such an incredible lead pastor, grown the church, impacted so many people. There's a huge legacy of the church that uh, this is. And I'm and I'm coming up after this, right? 30 something year old, mid 30s, first time lead pastor. <laughs> right? Like it's just it's it's crazy how God brought us back to Edmonton. We love it. But after this succession happened, I had been praying, I was like, okay, so if we do a series on this, then it might be, you know, on vision, it might be misconstrued as, you know, what do you, you know, can't, can't wait to, now that you're leading, are you ready to change everything? Or if if I do a series on that, it can be misinterpreted this way. So as I was praying in and through that, I was like, okay, you know, what, what if we just, what if we just slowly preach through A little bit of one book, right? Philippians. We didn't even get through 13 weeks or so. We only got through uh, the middle of chapter two of Philippians. And I was like, but what if we were to just go a little bit at a time? And the title of the sermon series wasn't some catchy title. It was literally just Philippians, like zero room for misinterpretation, for misunderstanding. I was like, if you're going to get mad at me for anything, it's for preaching the Bible. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm okay with that. So literally, that's what we did. And this talk came nearing the end of the series in the summer. I mean, it's the beautiful Christ hymn talking about power. So really from Philippians 2 verses 5 and 6, it's all about power. So that's, that's kind of the genesis of the message.
1: Now, I think it's a genius idea, and any of you who are listening, who you know might be stepping into a new role—senior um, leadership, teaching pastor—I, um, I, I don't want you to miss that. I think this was a genius move, just to say, hey we are gonna dive into the text. Now, again, mm-hmm. there are times that you have to go into vision. And if you you know go to Beulah Alliance's website, um, Daniel does an amazing, amazing recent like four week vision series, it's fantastic. But what I love is that he does a great job of honoring, but pointing people and driving people to the text. And, mm-hmm. and in this unique teach um, on Philippians two, five and six, you kind of have this incredible like three point tag. Hmm. Can you just talk about those tags because it's so memorable? Um, I, if I say it right now, which I could, um, yeah. I I don't want anybody to think I came up with it. Like the, this was from you, and I love it. Um, but would you would you just like rattle that off and what you were kind of
0: trying to do with those points? Yeah, definitely. So the so the ache that I was trying to address in this message was our pursuit and lust for power. And this wasn't just for leaders. This is literally everyone. So there is actually a moment in the message where I just make it abundantly clear that whether you're 95 years old or 10, right, or 12, you are, you have power and you have a measure of that. So uh, the ache that I was really trying to get out was our pursuit and lust for power. And 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 as I was praying and studying the passage, honestly, in and through this passage, and and here's the verse, right? Adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited. When I was studying that passage, I was like, oh my goodness, you know what? When it came to power, Jesus didn't hype it up, right? He didn't hype it up. He didn't hide behind it. And he didn't hoard it either. So as I was wrestling through the concept and in and behind that, that's that's where I eventually, as a preacher, kind of, <laughs> you know, came up with the the alliteration there. But it, it was just, it was just like, okay, Jesus didn't buy into the hype. Jesus didn't hide behind it. And Jesus didn't exploit power by hoarding it. So, church family, when you have power, stop hyping it stop hiding it and stop hoarding it so that's that's essentially the the message there
1: I'm telling you there will be a link in the show notes and you're gonna to want to listen to this talk it's so it's so good um I you know I love uh, the thoughtfulness you bring um, mm. and again I've used this kind of phrase spirit and truth um, mm. talk a little bit about that because you know I've gotten the privilege to get to know you and you know I, I know a little bit of your your backstory um, but oftentimes we 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 tend as teachers and preachers and pastors to kind of lean, you know, maybe more more charismatic or you know, more bible, more truth, like more what do, what do i know. Um you have this unique ability to do both well. Wow. And I, and and i was really blown away by just how you have been in different contexts that have, I think, really shaped that, but you have taken the best from those contexts to mm-hmm. really find and develop your your voice and your sound. Talk about that for our audience.
0: Yeah, it's interesting how much we are shaped by our environments and by those that we have learned from. So I grew up born and raised in Vancouver, Canada, grew, grew, up, grew up in a Korean Presbyterian church, so, I mean, every week, Lord's Prayer, Apostles' Creed, liturgy, going through, you know, expository most of the time with preaching. And, and I mean, that's kind of the environment that I grew up in. But then I remember going to university and, and through the ministry of Campus Crusade for Christ really came to understand the ministry of the Holy Spirit and who the Holy Spirit was understood that and and then from there all the way to now being a part of the alliance family and and if you're unfamiliar with who the alliance is uh the christian and missionary alliance there's basically uh four pillars in a sense that the alliance builds its theology around it's christ as savior sanctifier healer and coming king so jesus christ is who is lifted up the highest really in a sense, it's triune. the denomination is obviously triune and, and Orthodox in that way. but w- with, with that being the case, when I look at preaching and I look at ministry, there's this there's this there's this liturgical going to the rhythm of okay, what does the text say? How do we accurately expose it from the text? But on top of that, on the flip side of it, it's, okay, but what is Jesus doing right now, right? How is he moving in our midst? What is the Holy Spirit wanting to bubble up? And and for me, part of my master's, I got my master's at Fuller. uh, There's actually a lot around adult education that I was just struck by. And and I've obviously incorporated that a lot into my writing and the way that I do discipleship. But when it comes to preaching, I was like, okay, if, if people are giving us one hour a week, and hopefully they're, and, and we're prayerfully discipling them toward having daily moments with Jesus, but if they only gave us an hour or an hour and a half a week, how do we make sure that we create an environment where they have an, an encounter with the living God? Right, where they're not just leaving with some idea, some cute acronym, or, or something memorable to say. I mean, there is a place for that, and and it is important. But how do we actually bring them into the presence of God? Right, you can you can bring a, what is that? I mean, I am horrible at analogies, but you can bring a sheep to water, but you can't make it drink. Right, like how do you do that in and through the Word, where you? where you are preaching the word in such a compelling manner that it is revealing the glory of God. Right. It's, it's like we read about in Acts chapter nine. I mean, Jesus is the one that awoke Saul, right? He is the one that met Saul on the road to Damascus yet he partnered with Ananias. He asked Ananias to be a part of Saul's awakening. So what does it look like for me as a preacher to be, one, just, just to be a part of what God is already doing in the hearts and lives of everyone. He's doing a work in their lives. He, he, did, he was doing it before they came. He's doing it as they are there. He's going to continue to do his work afterwards. How do I, for that one moment in time, allow myself to be open to what the Holy Spirit is doing to then say, okay, Lord, use me, right? Use me to awaken these people to yourself. I love that that
1: phrase part of the awakening and i think i think really like if how do i how do i you know in my study and in my prep and in my preach um in my part am i do i play an anonized part of the awakening let's, let's bring it down to your prep process. Um, Mm -hmm. Because again, that thoughtfulness, that intentionality, the way that you hold space as a preacher to, to really uh, partner in that awakening experience. Um, Talk about that. What does, what does that look like uh, for you in prepping for a teach?
0: Yeah. So I, I break it up. I'm a, I'm a systems guy. (laughs) So I love building systems around this and, and we're a, Beulah is a multi-generational, multi-ethnic, and multi-campus church in Greater Edmonton, Alberta, in Canada. So we have multiple campuses, and and when I'm preaching, it's going out video. When I'm not preaching, and I go thirty-two to thirty-five times a year, when I'm not preaching, we do live locals, which basically mean live preaching at our, all our campuses, but the message is the same, and the prep is done together. So, so you know, a months months before I ever get to the two weeks before I preach the synopsis for the series and the individual sermon has already been prepared. So I am walking in two weeks out. I am walking in. I know what the central text is. I know what the ache, desire, cultural stronghold is that the message is addressing. And and in light of that, uh, I know, you know, I have it right in front of me. It's like, okay, in light of that ache, cultural stronghold or desire, what do you want people to know? And then what do you want people to do? So from that moment 2 weeks out I then actually begin my prep process to from that starting point really dig into the scripture and into the main text I have my boundaries every preacher in our context they have their boundaries and their guardrails because we know in that series and message synopsis but I really focus on digging into the scripture and I don't it, you know and and here's the thing with the with the with the synopsis that we give all our preachers We're not giving them the three points. We're not giving them two points. We're not, we're not crafting anything like that out. It's just here are the guardrails, right? Big picture. What do you want people to know? Big picture. What do you want people to do out of this text? So that's where I'm sitting down on a Monday. My Sabbaths are Friday all day Monday is blocked out and I'm focusing on Monday, digging into the scripture and just leaving room as I'm reading, as I'm processing, as I'm studying the text. Okay, God, what do you want people? Like, how do you want me? How do you want me to communicate the truths in this word? How do you want me to communicate this passage in a compelling and a memorable way? And that's really, I mean, the the, the block of it. Sometimes it comes quick. Sometimes it takes all day. Uh, and that's Monday and all the way to Tuesday noon is usually all blocked out every week for sermon prep that's beautiful now
1: being someone who is so so smart so intentional like um you mentioned the word boundary which got me Mm -hmm. thinking do you ever find yourself you're doing philippians 2 5 and 6 yeah and you're like i'm on a rabbit trail like i am i'm chasing uh the word exploit or Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. this concept And do you ever have to like go like, hey, I spent way too much time on this idea or man, I I used up my Monday and I got, I'm actually nowhere closer to an outline. Like talk about the boundaries that you have to have Mm -hmm. to hold that great strength of research, study and your love for it Mm -hmm. in check so that you actually have a deliverable uh, by the weekend.
0: Yeah. You know, honestly, the scariest thing for writers and I think for preachers is the blank screen, right? That cursor, that blinking cursor. And it's like, what in the world, where am I even going to start? Because if you just take Philippians two, five and six, as an example, I mean, I know just based on those two verses, I am not the only preacher in history who has ever preached about power based on that. Right? right yet for such a time as this to into our context in light of what's happened in the global sea church and what's happening right now in our context yes i believe god gave me a word for the time and for our context but when it comes to the boundaries the beautiful thing about actually walking into that message that monday morning with the guardrails of a series and a sermon a synopsis and outline is that you know what In community, so I I don't prepare these by myself, in community with the teaching team, we have prayerfully discerned that, yes, this is the topic and this is what we are going to be focusing on. Hey, even before we write the series and sermon outlines, once a year I get away with my teaching team and prayerfully we're discerning the year calendar. And I can't tell the number of times that, like, nine months before we had been preparing for something, and just God in His providence said, "Oh yeah, and you know what? And this is going to happen in the life of the congregation, and and this message is going to address it." Such so so when it comes to the rabbit trails, um, before like when I would actually go into a sermon fresh, scratch Monday morning, and I've I'm like, "Am I supposed to preach? Or this is what I'm supposed to preach?" where I actually find myself going down those rabbit trails and finding myself 2 p.m., 3 p.m. on Monday being like, oh, my goodness, I've wasted this entire day. I know a lot about this one word. Right. But I literally wasted the entire day. I I, I find I, I don't often uh, find myself in those spots anymore because I have those boundaries. And I'm like, OK, I got it. Trust the process. Now here's the next step of the process. I'm going to study. I'm going to work out the points. And then I, I'm going to start manuscripting.
1: That's beautiful. That's beautiful. And then you, you manuscript, um, and you kind of have a, an iPad often yeah. on stage that I'll see with a little stand, um, that you'll use. Um, is that full manuscript on that iPad?
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. It's, it's full manuscript in bullet form. Okay. So I actually go 17 point font, one and a half spacing. So every message is typically around, under 4,000 words for me, uh, it's about 30 to 35. Well, okay, let's be honest. It's 35 minutes. I preach. <laughs> I, I usually preach. <laughs> I'm supposed to go 30 to 35, but I always end up at least going 35 minutes. So it's about under 4,000 words, one and a half spacing, 17-point font, all in bullet form, bullet, sub-bullet, sub-bullet, sub-bullet. And then I actually use emojis too. Uh, I've recently been uh, starting to use emojis to to indicate uh, you know, different moments in the message.
1: That's beautiful. That's awesome. Well, um, one one thing, this will be a little bit of a a shift, but I'm just, I'm I'm thinking about this and and you mentioned the emoji that made me think of it, um, is, you know, you, you, you stepped into this amazing opportunity Mm. in a place that, is near and dear to your heart and yeah. um you're an accomplished writer and you're a gifted communicator and really really great leader um and just someone I just from the outside just deeply deeply respect um mm-hmm. but I also would say is like you were handed a baton and it's like some really hard things happened yeah yeah like and yet you you uh I feel like have have walked um this life well, hmm. but also at the same time like had to like grieve yeah. um some real losses in your family, on the staff. Like yeah. yeah. Um I, I can you talk just a little bit about that? Uh because yeah, I think for sure. I think that's it's 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 a it's a piece of who you are, but like this has been a Typically, it's like you're handed a baton, like, this is going to be the the ride of our life. And I really feel like in many ways, like, this has been probably what it would seem like from the outside, six of probably the hardest months. Yes. Um, And and like the best of times, worst of times. So can you talk about that?
0: Yes, thank you. Um, So a week after I became lead pastor, my dad passed from a a year and a half battle with Mm -hmm. prostate cancer. And it was literally the day before the 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 service. I'm on FaceTime with my dad. And I have never seen him in such bad shape. And I was like, Mom, you gotta take him to the hospital. I don't, and and honestly, in, in taking him to the hospital, everyone thought it was just gonna be one of those yeah he's going to get a blood transfusion he's going to bounce back out of this a month before that he was golfing he was back to work and then he just he just uh, just crashes and he passes away a week after the baton pass so there's that uh and then there's two significant deaths in our church family we're literally unless you had just come to our church a month before you would have been affected by one or either both of these families. And one of them was our staff, one of, one of our staff members. So 95% of the church family, right. Is grieving. I'm grieving from these two losses. And then I have my dad's death on top of that. And then the, the, the change of COVID and then succession. And there's all of this. And, and I'm, I'm just, I'm just trying to keep it together. Right. I'm like, as a Enneagram three, my wife is a three as well. We put our person, like our marriage and parenting podcast, the in-between podcast, we put that on hold. That was really tough for two threes to put this on hold, but we were like, okay, we, we, we're going to, we're going to kill ourselves. Like, okay, let's just, we didn't even make an announcement that we're, we are just, okay, we're done. We can't, we don't even know if we're going to put, pick this back up again, but we're going to put this on hold. And it's, immediate survival mode survival mode of okay week after week after week okay succession just happened we're going to celebrate keith we want to celebrate him well the outgoing lead pastor and now it's summer and now i'm preaching the majority this isn't a normal summer i'm preaching the majority of the philippian series uh because i'm i'm the new lead pastor and 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 I'm building relationship and i'm developing that with others and we're not going on vacation either because i can't i i i took a month off before i became lead pastor <laughs> i can't i can't just become lead pastor and then you know take another month off or whatever and it's just it's just a, not a typical not a typical summer and we're going 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 and all the way through we feel the water line continuing to rise wow. Oh. And there are moments where I am submerged under the water, and if it's not for my daily journaling and my 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 scripture reading and and praying and our daily walk, the walks that I do with my wife every single night before we go to bed with our dog, and and the thirty minute forty minute conversations that we engage heart to heart, if it's not for all of these pieces, man, I think we really would have drowned. Mm. And then all the while we were like, okay, we got to go back to counseling. We got to do this. And then there's this long wait on this one counselor that we wanted to see. And it was like, we're like, okay, we got to go find someone else, but no one else like this, this counselor is uh counsels ministry. Couples has experienced in trauma, in grief, in a lot of these areas that we needed to find healing from. And we finally get in and as we've been doing the counseling with her, my goodness, the tools that she's given us, the water line, I can just, Steve, and this is, this is like real time, right? I think last time we talked was a couple of weeks ago and it's like, literally the water has just, just in our process of grieving and in our working of our trauma, it's just, it's just going down. It's going down. And I remember a couple of weeks ago, there was a trigger where the water kind of came, all the grief kind of flooded back. But within an hour, it came back down again. Yeah. So it's, 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 I'm just so grateful. I'm just so grateful that uh, for the work of healing that the Holy Spirit is doing in my heart and in Christina's and my lives. And the safety that I have and the backing that I have from our elders and our leadership team and, and our teaching team and, and from guys like you where, you know, I'm I'm being asked the hard questions. I know I'm being prayed for. I know I'm being cared for to, to stick with it.
1: Daniel, thanks for just going there because I feel like watching you over these last six months, um, watching you do the hard work, watching you show up and be so present with your community. Um, honoring your dad honoring Keith, honoring the church, the the hundred year legacy. you know you you've just done this, but sometimes you can just listen to a teacher and be like, oh, "I really like their ideas, but not know what they're going through. And anybody who walks through succession, it's hard enough. It's hard enough. Um, even if it's the best succession because you just want to do it so well. Mm. But then to have grief and to have loss. But the ways that you have done this, um, thanks for going there. I I just I I really, really um admire the work that you and Christina are doing. Um, you two are just an absolute gift. I I love how you use though that idea of the waterline. Talk about um those practices, why they were so um just crucial for you.
0: Yeah, thank you. Wow. You know, it's it's um you know, when you think about growing, right? I mean, all healthy things are supposed to grow, right? And physically we grow every year. We're getting more and more wrinkles and gray hair and <laughs> all that happens. But, you know, when it comes to spiritual growth and emotional growth, it it doesn't naturally happen, right? You got to put in the work. You got to practice the spiritual practice practices in order to grow deeper and to become more aware and 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 to grow into a spiritually and emotionally mature individual so when i think about these practices that we've done it's it's this sense of okay how do we how do we how do we how can we live for the long haul right how do we for the long haul think about uh, think about finishing well And when I think about that and I think about finishing well, I'm always struck by the ordinariness of this, the the normalness. I don't even know if that's a word, right? But that sense of, okay, yeah, you know what? The unseen, the pieces of my life that is really only between me and God, how do I make sure that I am living faithfully to him? How do I make sure that I'm cultivating a life that is hidden from the world, right? Not in a sinful way, but in a, man, I am not going to take pictures of myself in devotions or or in reading the word, or I'm not, I'm going to, I'm going to, before I start my day, I'm literally going to waste 15, 30 minutes, an hour just in silence. I know I can go do a workout. I know I can read this book. I know I can get better as a leader, but literally I am just going to sit in silence, and in solitude, breathing in and breathing out the Jesus prayer, right? Or literally just meditating on the word of God and and knowing that that is actually going to help me grow deeper and stronger with a broader foundation. So, yes, I mean, there's so many different practices. Uh, The Sabbath has been huge for us on Fridays. And that's been one of those things that honestly, um, I've been, I've been practicing for quite a while right now, but I'm surprised at the number of Christian leaders and pastors that, that don't do it right. That that don't do it. And it's just, they're, they're just short circuiting themselves from the blessing that God has for you in the Sabbath uh, and in cultivating that relationship with him.
1: We don't often think like the practices that I'm doing today aren't just for right now. Mm-hmm. They're for seasons down the road.
0: Yeah. 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 It's, it's so interesting. I I recently, my closet, uh, my closet broke recently. I I literally got changed and then I'm walking out and there's this massive crash and I'm like, what the heck? I go in and all my clothes are on the ground. And it's just one of those, you know, standard cheap wire rack closet, uh, you know, with, with the hangers and all that stuff. So I'm, I'm so frustrated (laughs) <laughs> and I'm, I'm literally picking all these things up and I'm like, okay, maybe, maybe I I just keep on adding shirts or jackets or whatever. And, and it's just gotten too heavy. So I'm like, okay, I got to lighten this load. I start putting on jackets and, and I like wearing blazers when I'm, when I'm preaching and, and I start putting on some of my old ones and Steve, it's so funny. Um, they don't fit anymore. And if, if we're connected on social media, I'm not like, I don't, I'm not trying to brag or anything. I don't think I'm huge or anything like that either. But it's interesting because over the last couple of years, especially since moving to Edmonton, uh, I have just been, I've never been so consistent in working out cardio and weights. And over two years, I didn't realize this, but my shoulders have grown. My my upper body has become stronger to the point where, and literally I look in the mirror and I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't notice this massive difference or anything, but to the point where I had to throw away or I had to give away a bunch of my jackets. Right. When I'm when I'm pumping the you know, the iron, the quote unquote iron and working out, I don't see the change in my body at the moment. I don't even see the change in my body a week later or two weeks later. But man, a year, two years three years later that's when you really begin noticing the difference. so when it comes to spiritual growth I mean we are so the culture that we are living in everything is instant right and if if I don't if I don't find a quote unquote fix in my relationship with God or in my depression or in my you know you know go down the list if I don't find a fix immediately, like, if that Bible passage didn't fix me, or if that fasting didn't do that, then then we give up on it, right, because it's like, well, shouldn't I feel better better right away? I mean, that's what Advil does, right I mean, that's what drugs do like you get you get you you immediate right you get the immediate high or the immediate relief, yet spiritually, it doesn't work like that, yeah, spiritually, it's the long haul, so do we have the do we have the discipline, right? Do we have the discipline to put in the hard work today, not only in improving our craft in preaching, right? But in our character as well, so that we can begin harvesting the fruits, both in preaching and also in our relationship with Jesus years from now. Oh, I
1: love that. I th- I've i never thought about that, but you're so right. It's just like, um when you're lifting, you you don't see the progress till mm-hmm. weeks, months, seasons, years later. And that's yeah. that's the same as true spiritually. That's so good. Um, you write um and you've written a, a couple books. One that you wrote that uh came out in 2020 that I really, really loved. And six other lies about work, life, and love. And mm. and and I I'd love to hear just a little bit about this because I think for many of us preachers, like I'm a preacher. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I am as good as my last teach or my last uh-huh. up. Like, talk a little bit about like for the the younger communicator listening, uh-huh. or that emerging voice who's in their 30s, just become a teaching pastor, or that long tenure awesome senior pastor who's been faithful or that bivocational pastor who's who's just like doing multiple jobs
0: Mm -hmm.
1: talk to them just a a little bit about the heart and ethos of you are you are what you do Mm -hmm.
0: yeah the the book has so so just to backtrack a little bit the book was released like one month before covid blew up the world (laughs) <laughs> oh my. So, so as I was writing this book in a pre-pandemic reality, I was writing it to address the, the growing sense and the growing normalcy around the side hustle and that sense where both pastors and the people that you are preaching to, uh, if you don't have a side hustle, you are funding someone else's side hustle And the nefarious way that that is actually seeped into the way that we view work, life, and love. So that's really the premise. And and then COVID hit and, and, everything kind of blew up. And, and as we emerge out of COVID, it's interesting because the gig economy, right? The side hustle is actually the thing that has propelled and allowed us to continue to eat from restaurants and to continue to go places and, and for our, you know, for even our Amazon packages to come to us, right? I mean, it's so interesting how no one talks about the effect that the unintended consequence that the gig economy has on us And I believe even post-pandemic, it's it's even greater. And here's why. And this, this goes into your question. The thing about the gig economy, right, is it promises a life of freedom and flexibility. And when you think about this promise or this allure of freedom and flexibility, really, that's the original lie, right? You will become God you will be your own master. You will get to go wherever you want do whatever you want to do buy whatever you want to buy, be whoever you want to be. Right. And the only reason you aren't right now, the only reason you're living your life and you're not living that sort of life that, that, you know, you really want that your friend that you see on Instagram or whatever. The only reason is because you're not hustling enough. So, so get off your lazy butt and start, you know, get a side hustle and and grow in your freedom to get more freedom and to get more flexibility. and And the nefarious side of all of that, the lie of all that, is that the enemy, the the gateway drug into a life of freedom and flexibility, are these seven lies. And it's a different lie for each and every one of us. So, for example, for me, who is an Enneagram three. And I didn't realize this until after I finished the book. I was like, yeah, you know what? The lie that I struggle with most is the lie that you, I am what I do. And I was like, oh my goodness, it's because I'm a three. I'm an achiever. It's like, if I'm doing anything, I just feel my worth comes from my doing. It shouldn't. It has. I'm trying for it not to. But when we, th- I think about this lie that you are what you do or you are what you experience or-, or how about this one for all the parents out there, you are who you raise. Wow. And the subtle ways that the way we parent is actually trying to bring about a life of freedom and flexibility for ourselves. Like it's, it's crazy. And-, and-, and you are your past. And, and all these lies really, um, they're all. The way one of the ways that the enemy is trying to turn us one degree off center, turn us one degree off north, and it's like, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, it's good. Like, you, it, don't you want to do great things for God? Like, isn't isn't God going to be more glorified if your church is bigger, if your kids? you know, go to this school and do that. It, like, isn't God going to be more glorified in that? Like, like if you, and, and, and the enemy just has such an interesting way of just, just like the Pharisees causing us to be one degree off and one degree off over several hundred miles is going to get us to a completely different destination, but we don't realize that at first. So that's really the the heart behind the book and why I wrote um, it for uh, pastors and also really for, for the church that you are ministering to?
1: Well, it's, it, for me, when I read it, um, it, it spoke, you know, one, um, because you're going after identity,
0: you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm,
1: I'm a firm believer that it's an integrity to where you truly find your identity. You find your identity in, um, what you do, you're you're gonna, you're gonna like live with integrity to keep hustling, hustling, hustling. You know, you, you mentioned that the parents, one, you are what you raise, if you find your identity in your kids, you're going to live with integrity to instill that they are this thing because you have to be seen in this way. And and I just, I love the way that you brought it back to the garden. I love the way that you taught this out. I love the way that you just almost reclaimed the sneaking nefarious ways that these little that we don't think have anything to do with our identity are really taking us degrees off from who we're truly called to be and it really spoke to me because you know leaving willow stepping into a world for the first time ever of having um multiple kind of jobs rather than just one job in one church um i thought it was like oh this is i'm like my own ceo you know of a company of one you know what i mean like i'm my own boss but then you're like, well, you might be have five different actual bosses that all have five different deadlines. You, yeah. you talk about that freedom and flexibility and how quickly it was gone. Um, and it was just, it was just, it was wild. Um, and, and so for me, even like reading your work was like, made me long for just being at one place again. Yeah, And it was just, it. It just Mm. it 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 just it like because again we can almost like um, almost just get lost in this idea like oh that's got to be so much better so Mm. much easier and and you realize oh no it's not. it has its ways that no it's not it's literally going to pull you uh away and you have to be more diligent about sabbath more diligent about the practices more diligent when your life isn't really in routine it's just and so so again i love that work but um daniel just thanks for who you are um i'm a Mm. big fan of yours i love how god is stirring through beulah alliance um you and your wife, your family. I'm just big fans of you, and thanks yeah, for thank just opening you. up your heart and sharing a little bit about your your dad and the loss, but also just uh, about um, the ways that you approach teaching the, in the craft and your character. Um, yeah. I'm cheering you on. And where can people find you?
0: Yeah, it's uh, DanielM.com, so that's my full name.com, or on the socials, Daniel Sangi, S-A-N-G-I. That's my Korean name. Um, but Steve, can I? You know, I'm. You're you're a big fan of benedictions. I'm a big fan of benedictions, and I believe because the benediction is such a way of speaking truth and life. You know, it's the word of God coupled with the 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 spirit of God, right? Bringing that truth of God to the people. So, I I know we didn't talk about this, but I, can I just can I just share something with yes, with please. all your listeners? Just as and and this this comes out of the book where it's just this. You know, everywhere we go, everything we read, it's a fight for our identity, right? And I just want to, as we wrap this up, just, just give a blessing of, hey, no, this is actually who you are, right? So uh, here it is. You've heard it was said that you are what you do, but I say to you, you are a child of God. You've heard it was said that you are what you experience, but I say to you, you are a new creation in Christ. You've heard it was said, you are who you know, but I say to you, you are known by our loving Savior Jesus, and that's enough. You've heard it was said that you are what you know, but I say to you that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You've heard it was said that you are what you own, but I say to you, you don't need that new Tesla. You're complete in Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) uh you've heard it was said that you are who you raise but i say to you you and your children just as you and they are are god's masterpiece and lastly you've heard it was said that you are your past but i say to you my dear brothers and sisters you are free from all condemnation in christ jesus amen
1: amen man daniel thank you and uh, I think you might have just started a new tradition to end each episode with a benediction. So love thanks, it. brother.
0: Appreciate you. Thank you, Steve. This episode was brought to you in part by United We Pray. United We Pray is a podcast devoted to praying and thinking about racial strife, especially between Christians. Come join us in praying for the unity of God's people.